the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And as we head into hour two, privileged and honored to speak with our good friend, uh, former Secretary of Education, best-selling author, former radio broadcaster himself, now host of the Bill Bennett podcast, the very one and only Dr. Bill Bennett. Bill, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Sad day. Yeah, well, first of all, condolences on your friend Rush. You guys were very close, and uh, so our condolences, uh, all condolences to you, of course. Um, boy, but not everyone is doing condolences in the appropriate way. These things, that they tend to bring out the worst in people sometimes, don't they? Yeah, they do. You know, people have no embarrassment about these things. Uh, I, I asked you just before we went on air. Have they done it yet? Have they said, boy, what a great winner, no Trump, no Rush? Yeah. And they did. Somebody has. And they did, and they have. Even the Washington Post, the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest story they have on him uh, goes, looks like, it just looks like one long parade of horribles uh, and everything you would conjure up to... uh, to be negative and to be uh, pejorative about Rush Limbaugh, pulling up, you know, well, the worst of everything, say, you know. I used to bring it up, you know, when people would say, who's Trump, you know, who, who, who lays hard on anybody is Trump. Some people say Nixon, I say no, and they'd say Dan Coyle, no. They, they were tough on them. But I, I always said Rush. Yep. I mean, I, you know, Rush was enemy number one. Yep. And probably for the longest time, right? Right. I mean, Trump may have replaced him in sort of volume of, intense hatred from from uh, the other side but uh, for the longest time and and it it hurt him he was a a very sensitive guy I've, I've been listening to a lot of the tributes you know, people know him and I mean obviously the business you're in that I was in he was uh you know whatever the post thinks or wants to say he was the Gutenberg of talk radio right. I mean right. I mean he changed it forever and dramatically transformational uh, agent of, uh, of talk radio that just cannot be denied. When you started your nationally syndicated show in 2004, I remember you said the first mm-hmm. guest you wanted to have on was Rush Limbaugh. He didn't blink an eye when you asked him. People have said how helpful he was to them. You've heard Mark Levin and Laura and others say that sure, sure. when they entered the field of radio from other careers, you know, going into his field. And he was as good to you on that as as anyone wasn't he. I remember you said uh, you uh, you said when you introduced him uh, the the man who uh, who rescued uh, rescued AM radio, and he said rescued built. (laughs) You know, but he uh, he was very kind and helpful to to you in that field, wasn't he? And never a bit of ego in it. I remember. Do you remember when? Bill O'Reilly was starting his radio show. Sure. The people said, oh my, he was at the peak of his popularity. People said, oh my gosh, Rush must be nervous. Yeah. Rush must be nervous nope. at all. Nope. 
Sean Hannity, not nervous at all. At oh, all. come in. Come on in. Ru- Rush start. helped them. Uh, I don't know about Bill, but I heard Sean talk to uh, Bill O'Reilly, but I heard Sean talk about how Rush helped him. Mark Levin credits Rush with totally. helping him. Mark Levin. Yeah. Mark Levin, who he was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you bet. How did you first come in contact with Rush? You know, it was an interesting thing because I asked that in this sense, Bill. Um, we're talking to Bill Bennett. I ask in that sense because, you know, Rush is not known as um, a great credentialed intellect, if you will, along the lines of someone like you or Bill Buckley. But he traveled in your circles and you both loved him, if I can say that. I met him at a conference in California, conservative conference, maybe Claremont. I can't remember. This was 90s, Uh uh, early 90s, maybe late 80s, early 90s, I think. And we talked, and he was very nice. And uh, he was having trouble walking at the time. And he said, "Would you ride back to the lobby uh, in the hotel uh, on my golf cart?" I said, "Sure." And he said, "Well, I I learned from you, and I've read you." I said, "Look, I said I think you're probably pretty lonely at the top. So if you need a friend who isn't going to ask you for anything, uh, I'm volunteer." Mm-hmm. And he remembered that, mm-hmm. and. Uh, we were really close in the 90s. Not so much later, honestly, uh, not because of anything that happened, but when he married Catherine, changed his life, mm-hmm. and all for the better. Mm-hmm. And I think so much of what he, he was and what he felt and, and wanted to express, he did in that marriage, which is what you should do. And it but was a beautiful 90s, wedding, too. Yeah. Oh, oh, my gosh. It was like nothing we'd ever seen. We've been to some, believe me. But the thing I remember you saying, finding finding the most touching about it, correct me if I'm wrong on my memory, was the way the tables were set up at the wedding and how he had kings and princes with those who also had the common touch, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. And uh, the toasts were given by Clarence Thomas and Al Michaels. You know who Al Michaels is? Bill knows who Al Michaels is. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started on Al Michaels. <laughs> I know if I don't know some. Actually, this is the rule of my life going forward. If I know I don't know someone, I know it's professional sports games. Right? Yeah, no, is that a good rule? But but I've been listening to things, and the things people are missing, not missing, but is that he's very shy. Yeah. Uh, very shy. I mean, all the public stuff was, you know, was loud and strong and convincing, but in in private, he was very shy. Remember, a oh, weekend we spent in Florida, Newt Gingrich, Rush, and I, our wives, and he had the least to say. Mm. There was someone else there, I think. I can't remember who it was. But he listened. He listened. He was a great listener. But I had, we had some wonderful moments with him. Uh, he came to our house. Uh, we invited him to dinner. Mrs. Bennett said, who would you like to have? As a guest, you know, we know a lot of Washington. I would really like to meet Clarence Thomas. And mm-hmm. so we had uh, we had Clarence Thomas and, and others, and uh, it, was, it was wonderful. Tell the story of 21. Uh, Tell the story at dinner at 21. Okay. Well, first of all, most of the dinners in New York were at Patsy. <laughs> of course they would be, sure. Okay. Were you over there? Yeah, you and, I, you and I ran into, uh, I think we ran into Roger Ailes there, if I'm not mistaken, didn't we? Sure. Well, very large yeah. food. Yeah. <laughs> large food. Okay. For, for large men. All right. And I think a, my son John was with us once. He said, 
This is ridiculous. Yeah. It's three big meals. Yeah. Who eats three meals a day in New York? Prisoners. You're at 21 with Rush. 21. Yeah. My first time. And uh, Joe, uh, Joe DiMaggio passed by. Joe DiMaggio and, walks by with you and Rush eating dinner at 21. Okay. That's right. Do you know who Joe DiMaggio is? I know right? Joe DiMaggio okay. from the Paul Simon song, yes. From the song. Yeah. From the song. Yeah. Silence, I mean, from Mrs. Robbins. Mrs. Robbins, yes, okay. of course, yes. So so uh, he said, you know, that was Joe DiMaggio. I said, yeah, I know. He said, well, what do we do now? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, do we... Uh, Sit here and act like grown men, continue our conversation, or do we jump out of our chair like teenagers and run after him for an autograph? <laughs> and I said, Let's go. Up <laughs> <laughs> we went and outside, and Joe was getting in his car. And uh, Rush very modestly introduced himself. And Rush said, And he said, Oh, oh yes, how do you do? I know who you are. I listened to you. Oh, and of course, you know my friend Bill Bennett. Joe said, I'm not familiar, but. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, really? Okay. All right. All right. Little, no, no, I didn't no, mean no, to no, bruise no, your no, ego no. with that question, Bill. Sorry. Hey, Joe oh. DiMaggio and Rush Limbaugh, I'll uh, take care of it. Okay. 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 Um, anyway, but that was, that was very much like Did it. you guys we, play we football together, too? Do I have a memory of that? We had at the brunch, Mrs. Bennett and I had brunch with Rush and a lady he was dating at the time, not right for him, and uh, figured, he figured that out. And then we had such football game. And I said, what do you want to play? He said, I have to be the quarterback. I can't run. So we had a guy on the team, uh, and you know he is. Yeah. Pete. yeah. And um, I said, uh, Pete, go out for pass, cut left, rush and throw it to you. And Rush said, I'll do my best. And before I went to the line, I took Grant Pete, and I said, catch the damn ball. <laughs> catch the damn ball. No matter where he throws it, you catch that ball. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Your job depends on it. Yeah. Worked for me. Mm-hmm. And he threw it and he caught it. There was Rush talked about it the next day on the radio. Aww. He was he was like the great radio guys, like you are. Nothing, you know, that went by like the great teachers didn't get uh used the next everything day. Everything got discussed, yes. Everything gets discussed. Everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Uh I'd love to tell you the Chicago story, but it's about a three minute story. You wanna know. do it? You wanna hang on a sec and hit the break with me and I come will, back? I will. Best thing ever. All right. Give me a half a sec here. We'll take a, uh, what, what did Rush call these? An obnoxious, an absurd commercial? What did he call them? Obscene I, I, profit I think, commercial break. That's I what, think they're called hard breaks, Seth. Hard breaks. Thank you, doctor. Thank you, teacher. We'll be you right back. Okay. Hold it. Hold it. We will. Yeah, I remember that story, too. We'll be right back with the great Dr. Bill Bennett. All right, since we're pre-taping, we can pick it right up, right, Bill? Bill, Bill? I want to do, first time, I want to do the Uncle Bob story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you whatever you want. All right, uh, give me a music intro, Bill, and we'll pick it right up. Go ahead. Boy, all these great voices, Dolly Parton, my gosh, and uh, Garth Brooks. But Dr. Bill Bennett is the voice uh, I wanted to have with us and with you today. A great friend, teacher, 
I think of him as a surrogate father, Bill. I hope you know I think of you that way. I don't know what you think of me, but it doesn't matter. Thank you for taking some time with us today. Prodigal son. Yeah, more of a prodigal son. Yeah, we can do those stories someday, too. We were... Uh, Black sheep. No, yeah, fair enough. Okay. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> we are um, commemorating the uh, dramatically important life of Rush Limbaugh, who Bill knew very well. And Bill, uh, I love your stories. And you said there were a couple others you wanted to share with us. I was in Chicago, I gave a speech, and I was on my way to England, a conference out in the countryside somewhere, down in Abbey's that place. Yeah. And uh, Noreen Burns, assistant took me out to O'Hare, got on the plane, mechanical, couldn't go. Elaine Bennett, my wife, was already over there. I was to give a keynote. There was no way to get there. And Noreen checked all the flights, no other way to get there. I thought, man, there's nothing I could do. I called Elaine. She said, you've got to get here. People are waiting for you. Give me the keynote. Only thing I could think of was call Rush. I called Rush. I had no cell phones, you know, because I was on a pay Did you have a pay phone or something? A pay phone. Oh, yeah, my God. <laughs> okay. And I left a message. I said, here I am. Could you send? I said, I don't know how I'll pay for it. I won't. I'll do it in kind. I'll work for you. I'll dig ditches. I'll do whatever Lincoln did. But, you know, he wrecked the library books. Uh, but could you send EIB-1, your jet, to me in Chicago, take me to England, and I'll figure <laughs> out a way to pull that. I, I laid down, I laid down by the phone, by, by the phone, pay phone. Like some homeless it guy in an hand. airport, you're lying down at a pay phone in yeah. O'Hare? Yeah. Oh, yeah, great. Great. Phone rings, I'm asleep. And the pay phone rings, rings, okay? <laughs> and then it rings, apparently, two or three times, Rush told me later. Guy picks it up and says, hello? He says, yeah. He says, uh, is this Bill Bennett? Voice says, and says, no. Who's this? Rush says, it's Rush Limbaugh. And, and the guy says, yeah, and I'm Santa Claus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he hangs up. And, you know, I never know what happened. And I go back to Washington. Rush said, I tried that pay phone. Boy, all the reasons for cell phones, huh? He said, and I talked to some guy who thought I was lying, and I had EIB all revved up, ready to take uh-huh. over there. But, I mean, that's the kind of sweet guy. Yeah. Unbelievable. Drop of the hat. Yeah. Um, this same guy who caught the pass in the football game, he got married, and he said, Rush said to me, what should I get him? And this guy had given Rush a lot of help, a lot of notes, a lot of ideas, articles. I said, write him a check. You know, everybody getting married needs money. So Rush wrote a check for two hundred dollars. Yeah, and I showed it to me, and I called Rush up. I said, "You know, frankly, we're good friends." I said, "You make a ton of money, <laughs> a little cheap, well, a little low." <laughs> said, "Oh, I need to improve." I said, "Yeah." Check came back twenty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, the generosity. I, that, I might have yeah. said, "Add a couple of zeros." Add a couple of zeros. The generosity is coming through. Mark Levin told a story earlier today back when he wasn't making money and had a bad heart situation. And there was only one guy who could do it at the Cleveland Clinic, and he couldn't afford it. And Rush said, mm-hmm. make the appointment. You'll never see a bill. Yeah. No, that's right. Yeah. No, that's exactly Yeah. Exactly right. That's the kind of guy you are, too, Bill. Seattle to do a campaign stop for John. Carlson, John, John Carlson. Carlson, yeah. And we drew 60,000 people at an event in Pew Yallop, Washington, which to that date I think was the largest political rally ever. Really? Wow. And, and, and John will say modestly, it wasn't me, John, 
wasn't Bill Bennett, it was Raj. But um, Carlson asked me, so could you ask Raj? I'm just a lowly, you know, local radio guy here in Seattle. Little John was very good, as you know. Oh, yeah. But uh, Rush flew across the country, picked me up, flew across the country. You picked up Paul Westfall on the way. You he know just he passed, is. too. My gosh, right. Yeah, we know oh, Paul. And who is Paul Westfall? Okay, Phoenix Suns, good enough, right? You got it. Yeah. No, he, he was on that uh, great uh, great Phoenix Suns team, 77-78, the little right. team that almost did. Yeah. Alvin well, Adams, Garfield Hurd, Truck Robinson, Dick Van Arsdale. When you how, got it. You how am I doing? Okay. When you got it. You when I got it, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's all I got, though. <laughs> Don't ask a follow-up. Okay, go on. Go. Anyway, but the sweetness of the guy. And I knew him in... Frankly, in bad years, yeah. he was unhappy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, bad, bad romances. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. oh, everything in the world, but people attacking him left, right, center. Yeah. He's just down. And then that transformative marriage, that wedding, and uh, we were there at the Breakers in Florida. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was a gorgeous and beautiful event. Something about that is interesting. You know, they you talked about the slings and arrows. Nobody, nobody took more over more time. A few people took a lot um, that stand up and play the man in the arena. You, of course, and others. But um, never giving up, right? He never gave up. And he was as strong at the end as he was at the beginning, wasn't he? He never gave yeah, up. He never gave into it, did he? No. No, he never surrendered. Never, never, never. Right. Get your chili and take yep. your radio. Yep. radio. Yep. Yep. Anyway, <clears throat> good for you doing this and good for everybody. Well, you know what I miss? No one liked it. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just thinking. I mean, I you recall that my first day of radio, yeah. morning in America, yeah. we had it. But that show wouldn't have had an audience without Rush. That's he right. Up for all. That's right. That's right. I guess what I was going to say is one of the things I missed about Morning in America, and it's a it's a sad thing in a way, but an important thing is, you know, memorializing great people. I think the two best shows, maybe the three best shows we did, you did at Morning in America, were memorializing the passing of Ronald Reagan. Yeah, I remember that. Jack Kemp mm-hmm, and Bill mm-hmm. Buckley. And I kind of mm-hmm. wished you had that show today, Bill. You could have done this, but this is, um, this is pretty good. Remember that Reagan show? People were in their cars. Do you remember that? Library remember traffic. that? Three in the morning. Miles the morning. and miles and miles. Remember the woman who said he was like a dad to me? So last quick thing, yeah. Mrs. Bennett, the fiftieth birthday party yep. for me. Yep. I don't. I don't think I knew you, did I? No. Okay. So that was several years ago, the nineties. And uh, Rush came. Everybody came. Everybody came. And Rush came, and he got to the our backyard, and he was again very shy. There were a whole lot of people, and John Bennett, who was then ten, saw him. John Bennett is your and oldest friend. son, by the way. Okay, just yes. for those who yes. don't. Yeah, and go ahead. Good. Limbaugh, I said, yeah. He said, but you want to see my dad? And he said, uh, actually, I, I, want, I want to meet your dad's brother. Mm-hmm. And John piped up, Uncle Bob? <laughs> Uncle Bob? <laughs> well, <laughs> Uncle Bob had never been called Uncle Bob um, before that in the day, but he became Uncle Bob. Right there. Uh, Rush immortalized him. And Bob would say, I don't know that I like being called Uncle Bob. I said, it's great for business. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Take the so, box off. Well, yeah. And Rush would get on a tear <laughs> yeah. about something, some difficult situation, he'd say, 
Maybe time to call. Maybe time to call Uncle Bob. Remember that? Yes, I and you, do. When you and I talk yeah. about it. We talk about yeah. it. When my wife, Elaine, and I talk about uh, my brother, we talk about Uncle Bob. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Well, that's another neologism he created, isn't it? Ditto heads yeah. Yeah. and Uncle Bob. Well, bless you, Bill, for remembering him, and especially on a tough day, having lost your friend. Uh, bless you for all your great work and um, your friendship and your uh, your uh, surrogate parenthood to me. Thank you for everything, Bill. Yeah, those you know, those are shoes that will not be filled. That's those, that's they, the Gutenberg and the Newton and the you know that he's one of a kind, sui generis. You are we'll too. Miss him. You are too. But we do have a record of him, don't we? We, we do. do have a record. We have a record. You bet. Thanks, Seth. God well bless done. you, sir. God bless you, friend. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. Rick, uh, in Colorado, he writes, To me, Rush was a wonderful friend that I invited into my world for three hours a day, five days a week. He taught me that I was a conservative and that you could be proud to hear one. Rob writes, we lost a conservative giant today, and as for the stupid leftist comments, it merely exposes them for who they really are. Such hate in their hearts, such ignorance, empty souls, shameless. Rush was uh, respected by the best. Um, Bill Buckley had him on his show, Firing Line, in 1992, introduced him this way. Rush Limbaugh is, by everyone's reckoning, a phenomenon, the most spectacular media success of recent years. Uh, his uh, preeminent medium is a culture almost ignored by American critics, even the most beady-eyed, because it's assumed that nobody who really counts spends time listening to people talk over the radio. We should have taken more seriously the polls that for a couple of decades have told us that one-third of the American people get all their news from radio. It is news that Rush Limbaugh sets out to give, though he could not perform as he does without reading the scores of daily newspapers and weekly magazines he chews up. His medium is opinion. Advise him that the moon yesterday was caught blinking at the sun, and he will run that through his cosmology and come up with a meaning for it all. And if the episode was good news, responsibility for that good news would be the founding fathers or Ronald Reagan or Clarence Thomas. If it was bad news, probably it was Teddy Kennedy or the National Organization for Women or the American Civil Liberties Union that is responsible for that frolic. What astonishes is that no one is surprised and only the humorless are really offended. In this sense, it's fair to say, I suppose, that he gets away with his scams as no one since Norman Lear got away with his and his series All in the Family, done at the expense of every conservative position ever held and glorious entertainment it was. Rush Limbaugh was born to a family of lawyers, fooled around doing this and that for a while, decided not to sell potato chips for a living, went to Sacramento as a DJ, then came to New York City a few years ago. Veni, vidi, vici, as they said about Julius Caesar. He came, he saw, and he conquered. His latest book is called The Way Things Ought to Be, and he will be continuing his television program begun only a few days ago. We're here in the height of a national election, and I intend to ask him, are liberal vulnerabilities finally apparent? For hold, instance, hold that for a second. Are liberal vulnerabilities finally apparent? This is 92, some time ago, and the answer is so interesting in the context of the time that's passed uh, almost 30 years ago uh, and how 
you know, you could say the same answer today. Listen, listen to this. There's a difference between rights for women and the feminization of all life. Do you agree that this difference is now almost everywhere apparent? Well, <clears throat> I'm conflicted about it because I do. Uh, in fact, when I wrote this book, I decided to end it with a chapter entitled We're Winning because I, I saw uh, in the Clarence Thomas hearings and uh, subsequent events hysteria. Uh, what, what, what I, I, have, I have postulated that for some we need to change the symbol of this country from the eagle to a dilapidated, near-death, dehydrated big sow with hundreds of thousands of little piglets attempting to suckle from this sow, but there's nothing left. And yet they think they're entitled to more. The fact that we're out of money, the fact that we simply don't have the resources to accomplish liberalism is what I thought was the reason for their hysteria and uh, was reason for uh, happiness and, per and it may be a tempered joy at the fact that ultimately we were winning, not that it was totally winnable ever or is, but that in the seesaw battle back and forth that we were winning. Well, now I'm having doubts about this because, as you point out, we're looking not at just uh, uh, women's issues becoming dominant, but if you don't accept the feminist agenda, you're a Neanderthal, you're a bigot. Well, now, and, and it, so it, it, it seems to me that... that uh, the, the, the party that represents this big spending, the party that represents the idea that government program and plan can solve every problem, is, is going to triumph. Uh, as we sit here and tape today, it's distressing. Hold that it's, thought it's, a second. You know, it's funny. He was transformed so much by the Clarence Thomas hearings. That was junior varsity compared to Brett Kavanaugh. Junior varsity. You want to do a little more of Buckley and Rush? That'd be fun. We'll be right back. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And this is talk radio, and we do. Portions of this hour brought to you by Balance of Nature. I take it every single day. One daily dose gives me 10 servings of fruits and vegetables. Powerful stuff. Blueberries, spinach, garlic, carrots, oranges, pineapple. You get tens of thousands of vital nutrients with a daily dose of Balance of, balance of Nature. You want to boost your immunity? I can think of a few things better than taking balance of nature, as I have done every day for over a year now. It's kept me healthy. It's kept me strong. And they make it easy. They give you free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. Give them a call at 800-246-8751. Visit them online if you prefer at balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. That's balanceofnature.com. Discount code BALANCE. Two voices here. The uh, godfather of the modern conservative movement and the flag carrier of the modern conservative movement. William Buckley and Rush Limbaugh talking in 1992. Let's pick it up. Uh, as we sit here and tape today, it's distressing. But, but uh, su suppose, we, suppose we take a couple of distinctions, uh, uh, some of which have to do with money and some of which don't. Uh, obviously, if if all women who want to work are entitled to have somebody materialized to look after their children uh, at the taxpayer's expense, that takes money. Now, that 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 I would consider to be moot in the sense that uh, some people are against it, and some people are for it, and it, it's it's a money question. 
But, uh, I think it's an ideological question as well. It, it, well, sure. Most money questions really are. But uh, take, for instance, the disposition of a lot of college newspapers to refer to the matriculating freshmen as fresh persons. Now, it seems to me, as long as that is endured, you can't say with any confidence that the difference between women's rights and the feminization of culture uh, is distinct. But do you have any, any happy signs to point to that suggest that people do balk at extremes? Well, um, I've, I've, as I say, I'm conflicted about it. Um, as one who lives in the environment, as one who studies it and, and comments on it, of course one is focused on the negative. You, you look for things to warn people about mm. and find fault with. Um, as I say, Bill, be, before the, the current election campaign, uh, I did feel that the extremism of these positions was showing and that it would be increasingly difficult for mainstream people to adopt them. Uh, and I, and I, I think one of the reasons that I decided to uh, accept the offer from the publisher to write this book was to warn people about the fact that, that you know, people say, Russia, you, you, all you do is talk about the extremes of these movements. All you do is talk about how these, uh, the oddballs and the kooks and the fringe are these, well, as though they're mainstream. Well, they're becoming mainstream. They are beginning to define these various agendas. Uh, how else the situations you describe become uh, prevalent? Political correctness, uh, I think, is, is founded in large part to feminist issues. I mean, I've, I've, I've met a woman, uh, a series of women recently with the Anita Hill situation. Look at this, Bill. It matters not whether she was telling the truth. What matters, they say now, is the way she was treated by those men. Well, how else was she supposed to be treated? This is the big leagues. She came forth not just to keep somebody off the court, but try to ruin a man's life. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I found it interesting that in the New York senatorial primary of the Democratic side, Geraldine Ferraro and Liz Holtzman were treating each other far worse, with far less respect than Anita Hill was treated. But I didn't hear any feminist saying, why this is unfortunate, the way these women are treating each other is clouding the issue and so forth. In 1990, there were more Republican women seeking high office than there are in 1992, yet nobody called it the Year of the Women. Uh, they do this year because of the Year of the, of the, of the Liberal Woman. And I'm... I'm um, well, but is there, is there an enormity uh, uh, committable by the women's movement, which um, yesterday or day before yesterday would have, would have got by because we were trained to be obsequious in respect of mm -hmm. women's assertions that wouldn't get by today permits you to uh, make references that you make on your program without being shot the minute you leave, leave the studio. Oh, I th yeah, I, I, th I think so. I think one of the, uh, uh, this is a long roundabout way to the answer to your question, but I think the, 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 the simple fact of this country remains that the dominant media culture in this country does not believe in the things that the vast majority of people in the country do believe in. And even such an so important far as point. Pause that. That's such an important point. Dennis Prager, I think, said Russia had perfect pitch, political pitch, perfect political pitch. Such a great point. The media does not believe what the vast American public believes. That's right. That's right. He saw that probably before most Notice, by the way, the comfort these two have speaking with one another from totally different worlds, intellectually, academically. It, it's, it's one of the reasons Bill Buckley liked him so much and he liked Bill Buckley so much, Rush did. But what a key and important point. Michael Medved some time about that year, I think 92, some almost 30 years ago, 
wrote a book called Hollywood versus America. There's probably a book called The Media versus America, but it needs to be written again. And it takes me back to the post-election poll of November that was conducted by the Media Research Center that found some 35 to 45 percent of Democratic voters, Biden voters, had not heard of major stories that we were talking about on talk radio that the New York Post was publishing about Joe Biden, the Hunter Biden laptop scandal. 35 to 45 percent had not heard of it. Five to 10 percent to 11 percent said they would have changed their vote against Biden had they heard of it. There's proof right there. The media was trying to shape Americans' views from something that they would not have otherwise been supportive of, believed, and voted for. Now imagine how much worse those numbers would be without this industry that Rush created. Anyway, I think it's an important point. The media is not where the American people are. Go, go on, Bill, if you don't mind. The vast majority of people in the country do believe in and even go so far as to impugn and make fun of those things. Something as rudimentary as belief in God, morality is, and, and virtue and character being important things in leadership. Uh, th- those things are all clouded and, and shoved aside and made fun of, uh, not only in the news, but in television shows and uh, movies, uh, stuff coming out of the uh, entertainment community. But if you look at the polls uh, of the American people as to whether or not Anita Hill was believed, I mean, let's face it, those two weeks was a frontal assault on the minds of the American people. And yet, after those two weeks, the polls all showed that among any group of people, including black women, it was a at least 65% who but, did but, not believe her. So that indicates there's a bunch of... Such an important point. No one remembers this, but he's absolutely right. You go back and look at the polls. Majorities, no matter what segment of the population, believed Clarence Thomas over Anita Hill. What do you think the left teaches now? What do you think people think now? I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Here, too, the honorable finds its due, and there are tears for passing things, Virgil said. That's why we give this day to Rush Limbaugh. Yes, because of what he created. Yes, because of what he stood for. Love of country and not love of just any country. No relativism there. Love of this country. Unapologetically. And because of the slings and arrows that came his way and he didn't care about and kept fighting and fighting and fighting for. There were things worth fighting for to him. And what he did for this movement, he was the balance. He was the media balance. Keep in mind, as happy as we were, and some still are, but we'll see over time with Fox News, He was long before Fox News. As much as we have our favorite websites or blogs, he was long before the blogosphere and the Internet. He was the first that understood there's an entire other half of this country that doesn't buy what Dan Rather is shucking and doesn't accept what Peter Jennings is telling them. 
and thinks we can do just a little bit better than what NBC dresses up as moderacy, though cloaked in liberal leftism. And so, yes, even on a day like today, when we think the honorable should find its due, you see the left with their homicidal fantasy saying he died 69 years too late. What a disgusting thing. But that's on them. That's on them. It's the funniest thing in the world that the relativists among us think they're the only ones that have the truth. Have you ever thought about that? The relativists are the only ones who think they have the truth. And it's an ironic thing because truth is obviously in constant and eternal collision with relativism. The notion of relativism is that there cannot be truth unless it's theirs. Great historian Tevi Troy coming up to talk about this legacy when we come back. You're not going to want to miss it. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Shout out to my friend Bridget.